Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Nerds with Friends. My name is Cody Leach. As always, I'm joined by Christian Garcia. Hola. And uh, joining us via Zoom, and we're all in the Zoom-verse today, um, we got artist Richard Witters joining us. We're so excited to have you, Richard. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're, we're super excited. We can't wait to talk about some of the things you've worked on and some of the things you're working on um, coming up as well. Um, uh, as a brief little intro, and we'll get into it uh, more in, in just a minute, um, Richard has worked for Wizard of the Coast for quite um quite a while in the past and then now he's working on his own rpg system which we'll for sure go into full depth on so uh we're super juiced to have you um we'll get all the little podcasty stuff out of the way uh please like and subscribe make sure you follow and do all the little followy buttons um it really helps us out and check out patreon.com slash nerds with friends helps support the show and uh you know get us things like these cool virtual backgrounds that we have and <laughs> which are free. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh we'll start the show as we always do where we do a few nerdy confessions where we confess the things that make us nerds. Christian, why don't you lead us off? So, I think we've talked about um Zelda yet, right? So, I don't think so, but that's I'm going to talk about it too. So, let's do <laughs> So, my nerdy confessions, I usually try to go through a game and figure out the puzzle. I try not to get help. I, I always try to at least once through. And I, I being Nintendo and most of the games are usually like, they're supposed to be like kid friendly. I figured, yeah, I'll get through this easy. I'm smarter than a child. Yeah, no, it turns out I'm not. <laughs> yeah. um, there's been a couple like of the dungeons where um, I love puzzles and I love figuring out, but like if I'm spending an hour yeah, and I just like okay. I don't know what to do, and I, I've just been hitting up YouTube for for hints on how to figure out the puzzles, and it's always so frustrating. Once you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah just stupid. I'll, <laughs> like, I'll, admit, yeah. I'll admit I've had a few of those too, where I just like, I'm like, man, I just can't, I can't figure out what's going on here. And I look it up on like IGN or something, and you know, you scroll into it, you're like, and then pick up this thing. I'm like oh that makes and then i throw the phone away and then i actually figure out the rest of it i didn't get any help at all i would have figured that out eventually. i would have figured that out i just need someone to like point me in the right direction um but yeah <laughs> zelda tears of the kingdom out now it's i mean it's definitely a great reason to own a nintendo switch if not one of the only reasons it's the only game i've played on the sky it was the first zelda it was the first game that i played on switch and it's like this also like the second or third game i played on switch um but it's i mean it's incredible if and we'll probably we'll probably do a full episode on it once we've kind of like really gotten into it. maybe not beaten it because it takes you know a while to get into it but um we'll do a full episode on it but man i've been trying to put some hours in on that game it is real fun it's it's fun and like one of my new favorite things is now looking at what people are building so in the game you get the you get a couple of devices and you can kind of glue items together and just seeing what people have put together is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Cody showed me a good one. <laughs> yeah. The, what's what's so funny is uh, it, there's mechanics in it where you can take little pieces of rocks and boards and planks and stuff laying around and fuse them together with these like engine parts that um, will do certain motions. So like there's fans that propel you this way, there's rockets, there's lights and flamethrowers and all sorts of stuff. And people have been building incredible like robots and mechs and stuff like that. It's, 
<laughs> it's amazing what uh, a bunch of nerds with unlimited time on their hands can can really figure out. Sounds amazing. It's it's fun. I mean, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Like you know, as um, you know, a fan of video games, it's it's easy to get caught up in like, okay, the Nintendo Switch is a low, you know, it's 1080p, maybe 30 frames a second you know, hardware piece. So it's, it's way behind the curve when it comes to modern video games, but to still have a game that's that beautiful where you're just lost in the world of Hyrule, you know, playing as uh link going around and adventuring. It's like, it goes to show how powerful, like the, the, the story and, you know, world of a video game can be where like I can deal with crappy performance um, on this, you know, like, system that is not up to snuff um because the game is that amazing so it's it's a lot of fun yeah i can't wait to play some more of it tonight (laughs) yeah i always i always get curious about puzzles in games especially video games yep because it is so you you can so readily just just look it up yeah and be like i'm like i found that with skyrim a lot (laughs) it's like oh i'm in the spot like uh, what is it like? It's like whale, wolf, whatever. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And it's like I could figure it out, but it, just look it up. Yeah, and I think even you know, that's simple, you know. But <laughs> yeah, I think you know it's one of those things where it, you you can either kind of self regulate, where like like me and Christian, we don't try, we try not to look it up if we can, um, because yep. part of the, you know part of the joy of it is figuring it out on your own, um, but. You know, if if you get in a jam, it's it's amazing that we have these resources now. Like, you know, we're all you know, we're all old enough where like back in the day you had to get like the next issue of Nintendo Power to like walk you through <laughs> yeah. a level. You're like, oh, how did I, I get remember there water, was a, a water temple on Ocarina of Time or whatever? You know? <laughs> I remember there was a phone number that you yeah. could call for Nintendo <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, tips oh, and yeah. tricks or whatever. You could call them up and be like, yo, I'm stuck on level three. How do I get past the, the dragon or whatever? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It, thinking back on that, it's it's so crazy how far video games have come. Because, yeah, you know, you used to have to like, look up cheat codes or whatever in in a magazine that came out once every two months or whatever and now it's everything is just it even the day the game comes out there's like oh here's all the secret things we found here's all solutions to all puzzles it's like my god it's it's incredible yeah yeah it's just immediately just cracked and out there yeah so you know it's there so you have to like ignore the temptation yeah, or just exactly. get frustrated and go like god what is that <laughs> yeah exactly gotta, <laughs> gotta have a little willpower yeah well we've we've both been playing zelda richard what what's a nerdy confession for you is there something new you've been trying out or some sort of Um, nerdy thing you got got into uh my nerdy thing has been really the game we've been working on because i haven't had um because it's pretty much like sort of i i have my regular work i work at larian studios right now um and then I'll come home and like work on this stuff. And I talk to my buddy, Matthew Walsh, who's working with me. Um, and we've been friends for like years and years and years and a couple of other old friends of mine. So we do that. But but I do have to say my my um, what I do like to do is there's a lot of there's a lot of games that I like to go on and just listen to Let's Plays sure. and things like that. <laughs> like, 
and it's weird. And I try to find the ones that are that have just a ton of episodes. Like, like there's a few streamers out there who do uh, Sunless Sea. Okay. And it just has this, it has the crazy awesome like dialogue, and it's really you're putting around in a little boat. It's like nice. a top view, and it's like, and it's kind of steampunky Cthulhu-y a little bit. Okay. And it's and it's got crazy dialogue, so it's like. I'll, I'll listen to those types of things. Um, and uh, there was one I found a while ago. I, th- I think the streamer's name was Sips or something like that. But he had a bunch of streams on Fallout, like the original. Oh, and I remember okay. playing it like way back in the day, like Fallout 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he did a big, long stream of that. So so that's one of my little addictions. If I find those and I see someone like, oh, 80 episodes. Of yeah. Just, walking through fallout one i'm like yes like i'll listen to the whole thing that's my favorite is when you find something new that that you can like binge like oh my god i've i've missed out on this entire thing and there's you know eight seasons or 80 episodes or whatever it's like i i love jumping into something like that because it's you know now you know speaking of like everything being instantly available you know with the streaming and everything it's like going back to watching the mandalorian you know one episode a week you know, and yep. then you got to wait a year and a half till the next one comes out. It's like, oh, this is the worst. But if I, yep. if I go back and find like, oh, you know what? There was this sci-fi show from the early 2000s that I never watched before. Let me just jump into that. And it's like six seasons long or whatever. And it's it's really fun to be able to see all of it at once. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Pat is the old movie aficionado. Yeah. Amongst us. He always sends me links to like uh old radio shows or oh. or like old movies like the other day he was telling me about the sinbad movie with lou ferrigno and oh, i was okay. like I've, I've never seen that and he's like here's where you can watch it and i was like oh okay <laughs> that's crazy I wonder, I wonder if that was before the hulk you know maybe that was what kind of like <laughs> made him an, a known guy or something because i actually got to, sure i got to yeah. see lou ferrigno at a WonderCon here in san francisco uh years ago now but yep. he's, I mean, he's a big man for sure. <laughs> I can see yeah, why, yeah. why he played the Hulk for sure. I, I think I saw him once at uh, San Diego San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Um, but but I didn't, you know, I didn't stay high or anything. <laughs> you don't want to make him angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he still had like a big a big line and a lot of people like he's he's very yeah. recognized. Absolutely. Um, and he had yeah. a, he, he had a, I was just watching it the other day. Um, the movie I Love You, Man, he has like a little cameo in it as himself. And mm-hmm. I think that that kind of reintroduced him to a lot of people because it was a, you know, uh, what's his name? Paul Rudd movie, you know, and everyone kind of really liked that one. But uh, he's a yep. big, big dude and he, uh, apparently a very nice man as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. If you're that size, you're just going to scare the hell out of everyone. Just, if you're yeah, <laughs> just become a murderer or something. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's, let's, um, me and Christian have obviously some like guilty questions about like you working at Wizards of the Coast because we love it so much. So before we take our little break, um, yep. we thought we'd just ask you, you know, what was your experience working with them? What kind of projects did you work on? Because um, you you worked on both Magic the Gathering and um, Dungeons and Dragons, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so yeah. I actually, you know, I I that was a loaded question. This is a pod podcasting setup because I actually have two of your cards. Oh, here. there we go. Ginger Taxis and Vorn Clex. 
Um, yep. I will say your your artwork is very expensive. These were <laughs> quite, quite a bit. I was lucky enough where I pulled them from a booster pack, but they are they are expensive cards nowadays for sure. Uh, I've been informed of that. I, I thought uh, I I think Tom Tom Jencott was one of the art directors at Wizards is who was pulling the artwork for that because that art is the old original concept art I did. I, a hundred thousand years ago yeah. um yeah and he'd, he'd sent me an email and he was like hey we're, hey we're thinking of using the, this art on these cards and i was like that sounds awesome and, but i didn't realize they were for the phyrexian set like they're very collectible cards so, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it's funny because um like um it it, this one was actually from Kamigawa, which was a, a more recent set. And then this one was from Kaldheim, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Kaldheim. And I mean, you know, I will say, you know, the, the Frexial will be one, which was the set that they're featured prominently in recently. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was cool. And they had some interesting artwork too. It was kind of like an ink splatter thing. But, you know, I got to say this, this concept art makes them look even more like like, I don't know, menacing and whatnot. I, I really, really enjoy it. So when you're designing a card like that, do they kind of give you any direction or are you just like kind of free to do what you want? Or they say like, well, it's a blue card, so maybe throw some blue in there kind of thing. Uh, there's a, um, well, well, to, to kind of start from the beginning. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, like I was on, I was basically on Magic for seven years. And okay. then I was on D and D for another seven years, um, so I was exactly split between both brands. But I started on Magic, um, and the oh, I gotta watch myself of not being um um um. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We've been podcasting for like ten years now. We still throw a bunch of those in. It's fine. I'll just laugh at myself when I do it. So um, there we go. About when I started on Magic, I was a concept artist, and it it was sort of it, well it it well I have to say it it scared the heck out of me because I was a uh, like I I'd, I'd been drawing for a long time and done a lot of done a lot of art and things like that, but but it was actually like you're the lead concept artist, and I was like I don't know what that means. Like <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, start out, um, but. The first uh, concept push I was on, I think it was Wayne Reynolds and Brian Chippy Dugan. Um, I forget who else was on that one, but I remember those two guys kind of saw me through it uh, because the concept pushes were the things we'd have to kind of create these new worlds. Gotcha. Uh, so we'd be like, okay, we're going to do new Phyrexia. We're going to do Zendikar. We're going to do... And you'd kind of bring in a group of artists and it would be a small group, usually like four to six. Mm -hmm. and visually just start figuring out what it's going to be. So uh, to, to get, so with that bit of context, to get back to your question, um, there were definitely things that we looked at when you're on a concept push that you try to keep in, in mind, right? Yeah. Like, like if you give a, mm -hmm. if you give a creature wings uh, and that's going to go on a card, people will expect that card to have flying. Sure. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, and the, the undead and the zombies and all that stuff are usually in black. Right. right? Exactly. And, and this and that kind of thing. 
uh, and we we had sort of a, a chart, you know, so it'd be like, uh, you know, like flyers, and you basically had like soldier, flyer, archer kind of thing, and then you had blue, green, red, white, black, um, or the Wooberg colors and all that stuff, yeah. and and we would kind of have a graph and write in some ideas. So we'd be like, oh, well, the Sphinx kind of goes here, yeah, blue, or this world might have a Sphinx here, and basically the artists would start looking at that very simple kind of cross-reference chart and thinking about the world that we were dealing with and just start coming up with ideas because that chart wasn't, it was really there just to let your brains do. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really prescriptive. It was like, you could do anything here, but yeah. here's some things to ground some, you. Some ideas to kind of like lead you down a path. kind of. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's very fun. And then typically you'd have the artists, generally we'd have, you know, uh, at least one or two people who were stronger with like environment kind of stuff. Got it. Yeah. And, and then you have maybe two or three people who are really good with characters and creatures, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And people would kind of land on something and, and everyone would just go, that's really cool. Let's build on top of that. And then we'd, and we'd basically just follow that process of like, working with each other and building on stuff very cool and so you, yeah. did you also do the the um concept for elishnorn the the first yep. nice where did that how did that kind of idea come about because that's one of my favorite cards of the recent years kind of thing uh there were a bunch of things like there was some of the white uh porcelain kind of thing yeah uh, that was that was in the initial concept push, I believe. So we were talking about okay, white will have this sort of porcelainy feel. Yeah. Uh, there was a part of it. I remember I was talking to Mary Kolkowski, who was an art director on the D and D team at the time, friends of our friends of mine. Um, so I was talking to Mary, and she had mentioned something. We were talking about this white porcelain, and we were talking about those old things. That would be like in your grandmother's place or in, in like those old shops and how when they got chipped, when the white porcelain got chipped, there was like this black looking iron underneath it. Oh, right. Awesome. And we we're like, I was, I was just like, oh, that's cool. And I kind of <laughs> like I ran yeah. back to my desk and I was like, this will like this takes them. They're not. It makes it a little less uh, sci fi and gives yeah. it a little more like organic. You feel some of that chipping. Right. Um, so. It, it, it was sort of a mixture. I, I, there's a lot of people who've asked me that too. It's like, oh, you designed Elish Norn and you designed this. And it's like, yeah, I've I, all the Praetors I designed, uh, you know, and a lot of them I was just looking at silhouettes and stuff like that. Yeah. But for me, it's really hard to separate it from like our whole team who did yeah. stuff. Of course. Yeah, it's like, it's like a band, you know, like <laughs> it's like a garage <laughs> band. Like you did this stuff, so it's so sort of like, oh, did you, did you make that song? And it's like, oh, I did the vocals. We made, we made that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did I've been in plenty of then. bands. I know, even yeah. though there is sometimes one guy who thinks that he did it by himself. There, yes, <laughs> a lot of time yeah. effort. Yeah, is there well, any, I'm not. <laughs> is there any artwork or any time where people will design something and it's like, all right, this is maybe too like I'm hesitant to use the word gross or maybe this is this is like a little maybe I think we're going too far on this where like they'll nix the idea and it's like no we can't we can't do that 
I'm just remembering like when Magic started, like um well, I think there was one that had the um Oh yeah, it the had star like, symbol or uh, I forgot what pentagram it was. on it or something. Yeah, pentagram. Mm -hmm. So is there like or do artists ever purposely like, yeah, I just I just want to throw this in there because I know no one's gonna like this, like just see <laughs> how people will react. Well, we had a few um there's a few guidelines that you just kind of do that that we had over the years kind of thing like like we try not to use real world real world religious symbols mm -hmm. for example or like like an existing uh you know practice religion and things like that and we had we had certain kind of lines um a, a lot of times we didn't like there weren't like a lot of guidelines besides the facts of what the fact of what the artists kind of wanted to do, you know? <laughs> so, so it wasn't really, it was more like, uh, like the artists themselves would probably go so far, but and you might do something every once in a while where you're like, Ooh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's too far. I remember specifically with the Phyrexians, it was basically like gore metal blood, viscera you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a point where i called doug Byer over uh who's who was a writer i worked with there on on magic um and i was just like is this too gory because i've completely lost <laughs> my, my sense of it because we've been doing pyrexian stuff for like months now and yeah. i'm just desensitized like is this yeah. too gross i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, and let's let's talk a little bit about D and D too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, you know D and D and Magic have kind of for a long time been kind of hand in hand, being both at the same company. Um, yep. but what, how was that different when you switched over to them? Um, it seems <laughs> to me, if I was to guess, I'd say that they they probably have a more fleshed out idea of the story and characters needed for you to draw. Does that sound about right? Yeah, there, there was actually part of that when I came over to D and D. It was sort of bringing some of that concepting type of idea into D and D. So that was actually part of one of the things that I was bringing over, because uh, D and D was kind of had a model, and it and I think it worked fine that way too. But but the original model for D and D stuff was basically you have a book, um, you write the book. And then out of that, you get sort of the art descriptions of like, we need a picture of this character. We need a map of this. We need yeah. that type of thing. Um, so I, when I came over, I sort of brought in like a front end of working. Like it, it started with working with Chris Perkins um, and Adam Lee. Who, Adam Lee was another one of the writers there at the time. And we would just jam on ideas and I'd be like, okay, we'll talk about the story. I'll draw a bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, and at the time, too, I, I knew tons of concept artists. So I'd be like, oh, I'll commission some stuff. I'll get somebody to do some environment concepts and all that stuff. So we started kind of fleshing out the ideas before we ever even got to a book. You gotcha. know, like before you got to like a manuscript, I should say. Um, so, so I sort of brought that uh, aspect in. Uh, which was really great at like, like working with Chris Perkins and Adam, uh, when I first moved, moved over to D and D, uh, Adam Lee, like that was so fun. 
Yeah. Like that was, yeah, we would, uh, we would just hang out. We'd, we'd go get a cup of tea, maybe go to the hotel next door and hang out in their lobby. <laughs> they had like couches and stuff there. We'd chat and that kind of thing and just talk about ideas. So yeah, that was, that was that sort of thing. And, and early on too, they were like, I kind of came over when they're in the midst of creating the core books. Sure. And, and that was one of the things too, where they're like, Oh, Richard could do some, some pencil drawings and we could use them here and here and here. And I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I basically, you know, talked to Chris Perkins, like Chris and I just talked about, Oh, what kind of stuff do you want? And we just talked about a few ideas. Yeah. I do these little pencil sketches. He'd put either smiley face or frowny face. That's <laughs> awesome. Be like, oh, frowny face. And I was just like, okay, well, what? Let's do something else. It's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was another very fun part too. Like basically just, just like pencil sketches, uh, uh, make fun stuff, and yeah. and I'm an old school D and D nerd, so I, I I like that sort of feeling of the. You know the the little nods to like the old stuff. I think I know which sketches you're talking about in the book. I think there's one where there's like an ogre. Speaking of old stuff, like I do have, I do have. Uh, oh, it's backwards, but oh, I do yeah. have the advanced D and D player's handbook, and it it is fun to kind of like go back to art of oh god, oh yeah yeah caliber kind of thing. It doesn't show very the good. Paladin. Yeah, and it's and it's funny <laughs> to see how far it's come, but I like the idea of you know doing the the pencil sketches and stuff to kind of keep it in tradition of kind of the old black and white you know uh, original books. So that's awesome. And I mean you know working on the like the core books like the player's handbook and the monster manual and D dungeon master's guide. I mean everyone who plays D and D has those or some version of those. You know, so that, that's. Yep. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. The big well, one too was uh, yeah. uh, the, I did all the conditions. Ooh. So those get on the inside of the DM screen. And I think the first one we did had Tyler Jacobson did the big red dragon on the front. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Then my little drawings were all on the inside of it. And that still to this day nerds me out a little bit because i see people you know they're playing live games or something they show the dm screen i'm like there's my drawings yeah you know? there it <laughs> is right there inside yeah. that's so cool yeah it's super fun awesome well here we'll take a quick little break and then after we come yeah. back from the break we'll talk about the rpg that you're actually creating all right so all right we'll be right back we're back it's kind of how we do a, a fun little a break in in the podcast world we don't actually go anywhere or do anything but now hopefully someone has found out about some cool new product they can buy and help support the show yeah, or, or smart water or smart water it could be smart water we don't know. Uh, it has been smart water apparently on the last couple of weeks so if it is enjoy smart water that sounds good so now uh you've kind of talked about you know, your experience working at Wizards of the Coast. And now yep. um, 
on kind of on nights and weekends, you've been designing your own RPG system. And it sounds like you've been doing it for working on it for quite a while. Is that, that about right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's been a while. It's been some months now. Yeah. <laughs> months now. Um, and I, and I think what predates the sort of game itself is this little world that my friend Matt and I have, have been toying around with. Um, so that goes all the way back like 30 years. Sure. You know, <laughs> like Card as a homebrew. Oh yeah, totally, totally a homebrew kind of thing. Uh, back when we played together in high school and stuff, like me and a bunch of friends. Um, and of course, just over the years, I think it's a thing that's that's kept us connected. Uh, Matt might say it, it kept him annoyed. Like I call him all the time, like, "Oh, I had an idea," you know. <laughs> like, I had an idea yeah. for uh, but yeah, it was really just this thing that over the years it was sort of our, our little world and we're like, Oh, we keep building on it. And as we kept going, it would evolve, you know, and we'd sort of be like, Oh, maybe this could be different or that could be a cool thing. Um, so mainly it was kind of the world. And then as far as the system, uh, basically we were both sort of targeting that sort of like, we just wanted to have a game where you could make a cool character and then play really quickly. Yeah. You know, like, um, but there were still some things we wanted, like, like, like being able to sort of advance or level up your character and things sure. like that. Yep. Um, so I think we've gone through just like a billion iterations um, <laughs> and we've tested a bunch of versions and things like that and tried out a bunch of things. And it, it, I, I think the system works really well. I'm actually, the system to me is sort of, like if we've done it kind of correctly, it's it's closer to invisible. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. And then so you and don't then actually really... feel it. You don't feel like you're being restricted as much by it as you're being helped along by it. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not like burdensome. Like oh, you better keep the 800 page rule book here. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's definitely not like a system like that. So really, the part we're working on now is getting like the the flavor and the the ideas that we want in it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, that's, that's a, uh, something that, you know, indeed D and D has, has done their own version of this where, you know, um, compared to that old, uh, rule book that I, I just showed, you know, fifth edition is a much more accessible game. Right. And I think that that has done a lot of work getting people who never tried a tabletop RPG to try it. Right. But even yep. if Fifth edition, and this is you know I'm currently DMing a game um, with with Christian who it, Christian's playing in it as well, um, but with like three practically brand new players. Two of them have never played any tabletop RPG before. Uh, one of them played like you know two or three sessions, and you know even when we're doing like the adventure, right? You know the Lost Minds of Fandelver right out of the starter kit, it's still a lot to have to like explain to someone and a lot of times you do feel like the, some of the system is getting in the way of, of them just really having a fun time, you know? Um, so I found yeah. even myself, I'm like, I'm like, okay, don't worry about how many bag items you have in your bag, you know, just whatever's within reason. Like, don't worry about spell components, you know, like as long as, you know, as long as you could talk and move your hands or whatever, you know, that's, that's all you need. 
And yeah. uh, I can definitely see the appeal of having kind of a, uh, a game system where it's, it's more about telling the story and having a time than it is about like crunchy numbers kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we really tried to, to make it like a, a modular sort of approach nice. um, because what we wanted was uh, well, our sort of beginning character generation. Uh, well, there's a way to do it. Well, default, it's kind of random. You can randomly roll a bunch okay. of stuff and see what your character is. Um, but of course, those are random charts and it, it doesn't break the game. If you just pick, you know, like, Oh, I want to, you know, do this and that and that. You can just pick. It doesn't matter. Um, but we had that kind of thing. We both like this idea of like sort of an emergent character uh, that even even some aspects, we found most people were kind of doing it maybe 50-50, where it's like I pick some things I want for my character. Like I do want to do this and I do want to do that, but I'm going to roll some other things randomly. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of have this, we have sort of a classless system, but we try to keep it, kind of organized so there's basically talents that you can have that are sort of like like martial talents and then there's a three different types of sort of like magic you know that okay. you can and you can pick choose mix match do whatever you want um and there's some example stuff of like well if you were making a class they're kind of examples in the world but you can build your own character as you go you can evolve them um nice. and basically kind of as your character grows, you can make them into whatever you want, really. That was kind of the target. So you're not labeled into one class. Like, you're not a fighter and you only have access <laughs> to, like, fighter abilities or or just, like, a monk and you only have access. You can just kind of pick as you're leveling up. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, nice. basically, so far, each each level, you, you basically get three points. We're calling them iron, you know. Um, so you get three points, and there are different talents that cost one two or three right oh, okay. so you could take yeah so you could take a a three talent a three iron talent which is probably pretty powerful uh two iron and a one iron which is yeah. you know a mixture or you could take a one 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 which are probably three little interesting but not powerful things gotcha yeah it's um, kind, of like, kind of reminds me of a, a game that just came out the uh star wars jedi survivor has a similar mm -hmm. progression system where it's like you know, you can save up skill points from, you know, ex your experience points. And it's like, yep. okay, do I want to bank it up for three and then, you know, spend it on something really cool? Or and can I not wait that long? And I want to spend ones and twos, you know, all over the place. So, yep. I Nicola think it's a good system for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what we were looking for, too, is sort of this. There was another thing we were kind of looking at because we wanted to, to have that sort of pulp sword and sorcery feel a little bit or you know, some of that pulp action-y feel. Um, so for me, a big thing was it's like uh, Fafford and the Grey Mauser. You know, like Fafford was pretty much a straight-up barbarian in the books. Um, but he had some of this, possibly some of this frost magic because he was this northern magic and his mother was sort of a witch. Um, the Grey Mauser was a thief, if you call it in D&D &D terms. Yeah. But he dabbled in magic. Uh, you have other characters like Solomon Cain, who's who is a swordsman, you know, but he also mixed this bit of magic in and stuff. Yeah. So, and then, and then Conan's pretty much like a hate magic, you know. So we're like, okay, yeah. you should be able to play just a pure fighter too. 
so we were we were looking at that and just saying like we want something that allows us to allows anyone to kind of emulate characters like that and, yeah. and build them themselves yeah i think that's pretty cool because it you know picking a character in D is always the hardest decision right like i feel most of the time the session zeros end up lasting longer than any of the session ones or twos or threes mm-hmm. um and it's always like well you know maybe i could be like a a hexblade warlock because I, I like i really like the idea of using a sword but i also want to use magic and if i you if i become a fighter then i can't really use magic and the paladin can only be re- like really good and and virtuous i don't really want to do that and so it's like you're always kind of like filtered into these little boxes well it's a big commitment because you're committing to exactly. that character yes. for you know the whole campaign and i think you know for new yeah. play- for new players especially you know that's a huge decision. You know, you don't know like what it's going to be like playing a, a monk for three levels or four levels or whatever through an adventure. And yep. so, like, as you start playing, you might find out you're like, Oh, I don't really like being a cleric anymore. Um, you know, I'm just sitting in the back healing people as they're having all the fun, <laughs> you, you know, it would be yeah. cool to be able to, you know, get up there and in the fray and, and really, uh, you know, fight some guys and stuff too. So I, I like the, I like the, um, you know, versatility of a system like that. That sounds, sounds fun. Well, tell us a little bit about like, you know, you said it started from a, like a homebrew uh, set, like a, a setting that you had kind of come up with in a world that you had um, built up. Uh, yep. What is it like? Is it, is it similar, like high fantasy um, uh, as like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, or does it have like some spin on it kind of thing? Some steampunk. Some steampunk. This, well, well, this is the thing we've been going back and forth. We basically have, um, there's actually like two ages of it. Okay. So, so there is sort of the, the, the Rutgers kind of game that we're making now is basically the, the sword and sorcery fantasy kind of age. Got it. Um, and then there's, there's sort of a, a next age that comes after that, which we call Witchcog. Okay. Um, and that gets into more steampunk, like we get flintlock guns and things like that. I like that. So, and and of course, it's basically just uh, me and Matt, and we're making stuff. And I'm uh, terrible at sort of like dithering back and forth because I'm like, maybe we should do this one first and save this one for after. Or maybe we should do this one first. <laughs> so basically, been doing them both. The main thing we've been working on is the system to make sure that sure. – because a big thing we had, uh, like I was saying to you, basically, when I started at Wizards, working on Magic, working on D&D, the main thing I did for like my entire 14 years there was world building. Yeah. Right. So a big part of this was so- sort of two focuses. One of them was, you know, can we make sort of a game that's not only good where players can have a lot of agency over how they make their characters how their characters grow um but also dms can use it you know quite easily they can run it quite easily it's easy to make a game um but also the other layer of this whole module modular kind of design thing allows people to make their own settings sure right so it's sort of like oh i want a world where there's these crazy things and you can just mix and match parts because even the monsters are sort of uh, modular have like modular components nice um so that was a big thing for me because i was like okay i've been world building for years i want a tool where i can make a world 
you know, like, or I yeah. can just start and, you know, do that kind of thing. Um, and, and another thing we were talking about when we we're talking about the advancement of characters, there's also an interesting thing that we're, we're we want to see how it plays out as well, where it's like, like we have a big part of our world where it's just like an undead kind of wasteland, of course, right. you know, that sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we assume that characters are headed that way. And as they make their way there, they can buy these talents. They're probably going to buy talents that have to do with like, like combating the undead and all this kind of thing. Sure. So, so we really like that idea of like your character and what they can do will probably reflect the stories that they live through. Yes. You know? And I think that's, um, that's a good point that a lot of people don't really, um, don't really pay attention to if they're a new DM in any RPG game is like, it is important to kind of tell your players ahead of time, like, here's the kind of world we're going to be in. Right. You know, if you're playing, you know, curse of Strahd, you know, yep. it might be a good idea to do some undead type stuff. Right. You know, um, because you're fighting vampires and whatnot. Um, yep. but maybe not the best thing, like, you know, animal friendship might not be as popular <laughs> in that, you know, so <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of cool. And I think that, you know, if you were to take a character that someone had played for, you know, a year through a campaign and you look at yep. the skills they've had, that will kind of show you what kind of setting they were in. So I, I, I like that a lot. Now, yes. Chris Strahd, you're going to get a ranger and your your favorite <laughs> enemy is going to be giant. Like, yeah. yeah. Something completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we kind of liked about the system was that it was flexible like that, where it's like, we're like, we know something's coming and you, you, you yeah. can sort of ramp up to it. Um, Another thing we kind of added into, like we put in a few things, uh, like we made sort of a chapter generator, we called it, we're working on it right now, which is sort of like these, just the thing where a DM, like say you're stuck for thinking of what game could you run, you know, next week yeah. or whatever. It's basically like a pulp novel chapters name generator. Oh, okay, <laughs> awesome. So you can roll some things and be, oh, the the cavern of the crimson skull queen or something. You know? oh, that's that's uh, so good. Yeah, yeah just, uh, uh, like find your find your you know point star name or whatever on on online, yes. and it yeah, just yeah. auto generates. And it's like it's for me, <laughs> you know, like Im improv is is a, a big part of the role playing experience, and you know, having something like that that you can roll on really quickly. Um, actually helps me out a lot because I'm good once I have a prompt, but if yeah. I'm just trying to think of yep. something off the top of my head, I'm I can be completely stuck for a while. Yes, yeah, and we've had that too with like some of the character generation stuff too. Yeah, um, like I had one of my players, he's he was like or play testers, he's like I want to play a, a goblin, sort of a necromancer, and I'm like, okay, well, that stuff's right there. He rolled some random stuff and a little random item he got was like a skull. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cool because I want to be a necromancer. And then he rolled a little thing that we call like a, like a witching or a witch mark. And it's like, oh, the skull can actually speak to you. Oh, nice. Uh, nobody else can hear it, but you hear it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I love and then that. He, <laughs> and then he took a little spell where he was like, well, the, well one of the spells I want is to summon a skeleton once per day just summon a little minion skeleton 
And it's like, okay. So he decided he put that all together where it's like, okay, this skull is like my goblin uncle who was a necromancer too. And we chat, but nobody else can hear us chatting. And when he summons the skeleton, he summons the whole skeleton except the head. And then he puts his uncle's skull on it. That's awesome. (laughs) And none of that, yeah, none of that was, you know, dictated by the game. It's really just you give people prompts and they start putting it together. And I love that part. Yeah. That's so cool. And I like, I, I really like the idea of having, you know, two different time settings in the same, in the same universe, same world. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, um, hasn't been done super well in the past from a, a lot, you know, Dungeons and Dragons has had, um, what's the spell jammers, you know? So it's like kind of, yeah. space, you know, um, it, but it does, it does feel like it's its own kind of thing. And then like there's Pathfinder and Starfinder. Um, which again feels very separate, but it would be very cool to see like a world that has progressed, you know, an age or whatever into mm-hmm. into the future. Um, it reminds me a lot of um, the series, the fantasy series Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, where the first uh-huh. the first book is very kind of sword and sorcery castles kind of uh, thing, and then the next one takes place, you know, 200, 300 years in the future. And it's at the the verge of uh, industrial revolution where there's steam powered cars and people have revolvers and things like that. But same world, same power set, um, with just some uh, new modern additions to it. And then there's going apparently there's it's in the works. There's going to be a third in the space age kind of thing on the same, yep. which is very interesting, you know, to see how that kind of stuff progresses. Yeah, and that's something right now that we're figuring out because it's we were even talking about it this week where it's like, do we kind of, the main thing we've been working towards is just the playtest doc. Sure. Um, but we wanted with the playtest doc to make sure that we did a good, you know, what you would call like a vertical slice, um, which is basically, you know, can you make a complete character? Uh, do you, you know, can you, can you have enough levels so people can really try it out? Um, do you have some monsters, you know, and, and of course we maps and, and I have to do some fun drawings. Of course. Um, <laughs> so it was, so it was sort of like, okay, we need a good enough vertical slice. Um, and, and really at that point too, it'd be like, well, people have most of the system at that point. We're like, ah, that's okay. Cause we aren't, it's, it's not really about the system as much as it's about like the fun additions and random charts and crazy places that you can visit. Um, so so that's the part we've been working on. But yeah, deciding that one final thing of like, well, do we come out with like sort of the fantasy sword and sorcery first and then do the sort of next age as sort of an addition? Do yeah. we kind of mix them together? So that's that's something we're still dithering about and it's mostly my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a tough decision, you know, but it's like I can see your point, though, where it's like I, I think it would be really fun to release both of them at the same time. But yeah. also like narratively, it'd be kind of cool to start in the, the sword and sorcery and then kind of move into the more steampunky one. But I know yeah. I'd, I'd be stuck on that decision, too. Um, yeah. So I, that's the advice I'll give you. It's like uh, it's hard working with friends and it's really hard working with friends if they're me. Yeah, <laughs> you know when it comes to like making a decision you know it's yes. it sounds like sounds like you're not the guy to ask huh uh, it's, yeah 
let the artist figure out. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe one more. That's why I run, you know, all the, all the technical stuff of the podcast and him being the artist, you know, he, he brings his winning personality to the show. <laughs> I can't be, I can't be held responsible for decisions, man. Yeah, exactly. No. Genius. You can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't tell their genius. Yeah. So, uh, so where are you? You said you're about to start play testing or, or you're getting close to that. Um, yeah. What, you know, do you guys have a, like a timeline that you're, you're trying to get out? Like, are you trying to release this next year or is it still kind of like waiting and seeing how the play test goes? Like where, where are you in this, in the process of making the game? Uh. I would say the at at this point we have like sort of the core engine down. So you can sure. you can create a character, you can go through um like we sort of leveling up. We have a few things we were doing to address like leveling up and advancement. Like you yeah. you can basically go to tenth level. Okay. Um yeah. and but at that point you stop getting hit points, your saving throw stops going up, that that kind of stuff. Um so your character caps out a little bit there, but you, you can continue to get essentially more of that, uh, more iron or whatever to still advance your character, but it doesn't blow up the system to be like, I'm 30th level because, and now I have 800,000 hit points, you know? Yeah, that's that's something that I, I never really considered before is that like, I guess, you know, use D&D as an example, you know, you get to level 20 and yes, you're basically a god fighting you know adventure at that point but mm -hmm. you know at at that point there's nowhere else to go really you know i think getting you know getting to level 10 and then just getting yeah. more feats and you know you know other abilities and stuff i think that that is a fun way of doing it. and to keep it kind of wrangled in where you don't have to make you know your enemies you know a thousand hit points or whatever to make it some sort of challenge you know so yeah yeah, so that that first phase of like you can go from level one to ten, uh, we have that solid, you know. Nice. Um, the next phase after that, we're still working on some things, but we want to put things in there too. Like, like when you when you break level ten, you still get these points, but what can you put them towards? It's like, well, you could start making your own thieves guild, uh, that kind of thing. Or if when you get advanced more, it's like, oh, you can start the road to become a lich or become a valkyrie right okay. Very cool. so basically slowly put points into it so we start out with no class but then later we have some of those things called we're calling them embraces right now gotcha. so like a, a lich would be like embrace death you know <laughs> like, very cool yeah um so your character but we're trying to give it this sort of character arc yeah where you start out to work your way to tenth. that's your sort of adventuring career yeah. And then you get sort of your leader career and then you get this sort of final arc of like now I embrace the the final arc yeah. of my thing. Yeah. That's that's cool. The, the more you're telling me about this, the more this sounds like something right up my alley. I think it does oh. sound cool. Like you can kind of feel it out in the beginning where you're not too sure where you want to go. And then right. I mean tenth level, you're kind of figuring out like, okay, I think this is more of what I want to do, and then you can actually like so it kind of makes more sense to select like, the class that way. Yeah, you know, it's like you're going mm -hmm. to high school. You know, you're you're getting a good mix of all the subjects, and then yep. you know, eventually you you major in something in college, right? Um, yep. I mean that that it makes so much sense 
now that it's laid out in front of me, it makes me a little upset that another <laughs> hasn't done that already. <laughs> well, this is product two of like the the other point with the system being quite simple. Uh, when I was working at Wizards, I often like we would bring artists in for these concept pushes, or we would have people visiting. Yeah, and I would always have people like, "Hey, can you run a game for us?" Because even when I was on Magic, people knew I was a big D and D nerd. Sure. Um, so I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, I can run a game." Um, but we would use always use the simplest rules we could, and and I used to use the pull it out of my butt kind of rules. Yeah. Or be like, 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 what do you want to play? It's like, oh, like I like this sort of paladin idea, but but we had people who like, let's say you think of the the players that you have it's like um someone who's never played D before mm-hmm. and their first language is not english yeah right and you're like okay well what what kind of rules do we want so everyone can have fun tonight and we can make a character pretty quick so a lot of this came out of that thinking of yeah. like that we want something really simple it's fun to build to build up but the core of it's very simple to understand yeah um, and as you get, because you start simple, it also makes it a bit more like um, Minecrafty in a way, where it's like sure. it's very, it's made of very simple components, but you can build the Taj Mahal if you want. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, that's so cool. And and so what you know, what are your end goals for this? Are we, are you going to do like a Kickstarter crowdfunding thing for actual books, or are you going to use like a online publishing um, resource like? uh uh what's the big one that everyone uses like i guess not oh. dm's guild maybe um or oh yeah, yeah one one of those sites to publish it virtually or or are you trying to have like a nice bound book like what are your, your guys's goals for this thing our there's a couple things there's a couple things to that i, I think our ultimate goal is or what we've been looking at is kickstarter yeah um okay, that'd be great. and and I have an old friend of mine too, John Shendahedi, who also used to be an art director on D and D. He was actually nice. creative, creative direct, creative director on D and D before I moved over. Um, so I knew John for years, and he's done a ton of Kickstarters. So he was like, "When you're ready to do a Kickstarter, call me." And I was like, "I will." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I think ultimately it's a Kickstarter. Uh, one thing we also kind of wanted though was like, I think we want a nice, solid. A, you know good looking book yeah but i i actually am kind of like i don't want it to be too fancy you sure. know what i mean <laughs> if you want that if that's a thing because uh to me it's sort of like i would it, to me it'd be really cool if it's like oh you you get a lot of fun stuff and it's uh, but i don't i don't want the price point to be crazy yeah um because i almost would rather like yeah have a cool book and and uh it's it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg either because you can always the cool thing about kickstarter is you can always have like that you know s tier you know pledge level or whatever and have that have some cool foil or something on it but then you know just make you know the 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 regular player's handbook or whatever whatever it will be called um just look good with solid art and you know um I, i i think making it accessible is you know the best bet right making sure people can get their hands on it kind of thing Taking yeah, the opposite cause... route of the 40k games, you know, <laughs> like, oh you God. need a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the there, there's a lot of things. Not great well, for the wallet. Yeah. 
yeah, a lot of things wrapped up in that too, where it's like, yeah, it's very expensive to get into, or, or maybe you need custom dice and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's like, yeah, there's fun things you could do, but there's something to me about tabletop games that has always been about like, like I, I just want to give people, give them a lot of inspirations, give them a lot of ideas and sh- and some cool pictures and some simple rules and stuff and a little world plan. But I'm I want to see what other people make, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, like I want I want them to pull out their pencils and paper and their dice and and play that stuff. Like there's a, there's a part with this to me that's that's really a lot about that. Um, you know, like I'm not against say using your phone to do a thing, but to me there's a, I'm a I'm a fan of like pen and paper tabletop, you know, yeah. that that kind of experience, and it's like. I think that's what we want to make. We want to make something that's actually the, you know, that, that thing, you know? And I think, I think, you know, as, as cool as technology has gotten, right. Like uh, Christian and I, when we play Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or whatever, we're playing it a lot of times virtually on zoom with mm-hmm. Roll 20 and, you know, roll 20 is great because you can click a button and it does all the math for you. But, yep. you know, it, when we go to San Diego comic-con, you know, we, it's not like we can play a, you know, a pickup game of D and D very easily. Right. It's like, okay, well make sure everyone has a character sheet and you know, their books and, you know, some dice and some terrain and minis and stuff. And it starts, it, it would be fun to get back to the basics where you could just show up at a convention, find a couple like-minded nerds and just, you know, start rolling some dice and having an adventures. I think that would be fun yeah. to get back to. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that to me is where the tech where the tech kind of comes in where it's like if if I need a lot of tech to play a tabletop game, it it begins moving the curve more and more towards like just just a digital video. game. Video yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, the thing is with the new the <laughs> the new D and D virtual tabletop. It it looks like a video game now. It's gonna be Oh great. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm going to try it. Uh, you know, they've definitely got got me hooked. But uh, it, at what <laughs> point does it stop being a you know tabletop game and uh, start just being a computer game? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm. I'm we, we're kind of going the other luddite route, which is like this yeah. way, which is like try to design the game to be simpler to play at the table. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it, this it's not an RPG game, not necessarily. But um, there's this very popular game that's getting a lot of like buzz in the the miniature wargaming section called, ooh, I think it's called Ghost. No, Demon Ship. I think it's called. It's either oh, Demon, okay. Demon Ship or Ghost Boat. Uh, one of the podcasts. Ghost I, Boat. Ghost Boat would be a great. It can't. Game. It can't be. That. <laughs> one of the podcasters I listened to called it one or the other. I think yeah. it's Demon Ship. And what, what it is, is, you know, because we're talking about like like Warhammer 40K, where you have to have a hundreds of dollars of minis and terrain and rule books and all this stuff. This thing comes in a little self-contained box with these modular pieces that magnetize onto it. And you can you can literally bring this one little box with you to a, a convention or say and play either by yourself or with a couple of extra people. And you're going through yeah. an adventure cooperatively. And so I like the idea of getting back to something that you can bring to a friend's house and easily pick up and play. I think 
you know, it's, it's cool that we've gotten complex and, and advanced to do like crazy things and um, have and play virtually, especially like when the pandemic happens and whatnot, but yep. it, it would be nice to get back to a point where like I could bring one book and we can all play a game together, or I can bring one little box and we can all have fun together. Um, yep. I'm excited to get back to that. Yeah. That was, that was one of the things we're looking at too when designing the rules was like, let's say you do have an ability that's like a spell or something. Um, if you have a spell that's like, you know, you can cast this uh, and it has a certain area of effect, but it doesn't have an effect on this and it does a certain type of damage. So like the, the area of effect, uh, the damage it does, the type of damage it does, all those things are, are what I would refer to as operators. Okay. So So the more complex or the more... The, more, the bigger the amounts of more, operators more, you have. The more, the oh, hold on one sec. Christian. Christian has a microphone issue where, like, sometimes 40 minutes into an interview, it starts echoing. But it's better now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were anyway. going to make it the whole episode without it happening. And then. <laughs> That's like a fun little Easter egg now. People like to find the echoey part of the podcast. I thought you were I thought you were mocking me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. yeah. oh, we, we love doing that. Get inviting a guest that just so we can make fun. Just to mock them. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh no, I've fallen into a trap. Um but anyway, yeah, that was one of the things we thought about with the mechanics was to limit the sort of operators you're dealing with, try to yes. try to simplify those down. So that allows you, again, with if you're a DM creating a monster or something, you can do it easily. Or if you're right. a player making a character, it's really just like, I want this, I want that, put this in there. Um, that's super nerdy, but... <laughs> oh, it's, it's super cool. I, th I think that, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize kind of what goes into creating a game like that. Um, and those are some of the decisions you have to make, you know, like, do, do you go, uh, like, down the road of like 3.5 uh, D and D or Pathfinder, where every little thing has a stat block and a and a you know a minuscule operation to it, where each rule is clearly defined, or do you try to make it more accessible with overarching like mechanics that kind of let you tailor the experience to to your preference kind of thing or to the adventure? That's super cool. Well you know it's been awesome talking to you about this game and your career and it's and i can't wait to get my hands on um this new rpg it's called rutgers right is Rutgers? That, yeah is that and that's yeah. gonna be the uh the title of the the first uh the game as a whole or just a setting uh that that's that's like the first uh game you know like the first we'll put out the you know rutgers play test or field test or whatever yeah, we yeah. called it wherever we call it here when we get it done um but then the the actual final book that we want to put out i'm going like this but it's actually not it's like that <laughs> uh, it's like uh is is probably the rudiger's almanac because awesome we, we like the idea of the rules up front are actually pretty minimal the rest of the book has a lot of different monsters there's setting yeah. stuff there's cool maps um and then and then if people like it it's like well let's do you know the second almanac and the third almanac yeah um but also we want to do you know like let's do the next age of witchcog you know and yeah st stuff like that 
or even a sci-fi thing because like i said i'm a world building nerd yeah. I, I really my ideal goal would be uh my, my friend matt is a physicist he his end goal is probably to take over the entire world sure um <laughs> but i would rather just like make fun games and draw yeah. stuff. <laughs> there you go so he's the evil one i'm just you know <laughs> he's out here to have a good time i'm just trying to make fun stuff man there you go well <laughs> if you ever need test dummies to try it out we're open yeah, we're okay. always open to play new games we love playing new games all right, I'll I'll send you some I'll send you some test stuff when we get a little solid pack. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so, I, and, I, and I've been dodgy about the date too, but sure, it's because earlier I'd said, okay, we're gonna try to put out a play test here, but then I kind of pulled it, and I was like, no, we should fix some stuff first. So, so now I'm really leery of like it'll be done by Tuesday. <laughs> so, so I, it's coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> Well, how can yeah. people how can people find you, support you, like plug whatever whatever will help this project along and help you along, um, whether it's Instagram or you know Blogspot or what what have you. Plug whatever you want to plug, Richard. Okay. Uh, well, I would say just uh, you know right now there's there's you know nothing to contribute to or anything like that except sure. I, I I often. Uh, Twitter is probably the spot if you just Richard Witters or it might be Witters Richard on Twitter or whatever name I have there. Um, uh, my profile picture is a, is a Zvart, which I <laughs> designed for <laughs> um, But yeah, Witters at Witters Richard W H I T T R S on Twitter, and that's usually where I post uh, updates about nice. what we're doing with the game, and, and I just post drawings and other things on there. I do dumb polls, and I have pictures of my dog. Excellent. That's all <laughs> stuff we like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also on Instagram. It's just at Richard Witters. Um, again, there I post just pictures of drawings and stuff and updates there. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, over the next few weeks, we're planning on putting out some more stuff but our main focus is just trying to get to a play test yep and then we basically just want people to spread it around and, and see if we can get some people to try it and i will send you guys a play test uh, as soon as we have like a package i'll send you oh, a PDF. yeah we we would love that we, we'll yeah. play it and we'll uh and you know uh you know do whatever content you give us permission to do with it but I'm, oh yeah. If it's just us playing it in a room together, we're totally fine doing that too. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> but, um, and it's and it's a play test too. So if there's parts of it where you're like, ah, this part stinks, that <laughs> yeah. will hurt my feelings. I'm I'm too old to have hurt feelings over that. <laughs> there it's you all, go. Well, I mean, palaces and leather at this point. <laughs> as an as an artist, you know, it's like you're your soul gets cut like that part of your soul that's like oh my feelings get hurt like no that, that gets cut out of you in art school like yeah you oh, can't yeah, hurt yeah. me i've worked yeah. on a project for 20 hours and someone told me it sucked and i poured my soul into it yeah. there's nothing left yeah. like, i gotta see on that project yeah, yeah. it's been the what like years and years of concept art like yeah. you can't you can't hurt my feelings exactly <laughs> exactly well richard thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come talk to us it's, it's i mean it's been super fun and i can't wait to play the play test and you know see this game kind of come out it's it's been a real pleasure talking to you okay well thanks so much for having me it's been really fun absolutely and um yeah. you know go follow richard on twitter and go follow us on twitter too at nerds with friend um, and you can follow us on all the social medias, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and all that good stuff. 
And just make sure you like and subscribe this video if you're on YouTube or uh, the, the audio if you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or Spotify. We do appreciate it. Um, Christian, as always, thanks for being the uh, Sam to my Frodo. I do appreciate Yay. it. It's all the nerds out there. Remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you and good night. Good night.